Old friends, new friends, fun friends, and true friends, isn't it better to shelter in place with a buddy? Welcome to Friends on Hand, the podcast where we explore the fine art of friendship. I'm Nancy Hand, social confidence coach, and today we are joined by a pair of friends who are doing just that. Their friendship has been evolving and growing for years, and now it's supporting both of them in this weird time of social distancing. Welcome, Alan Hanley and Josh Siegel. Alan is a chemical engineer with Cigar Aficionado and a social hub. We're going to touch on that later. Josh is on a roller coaster ride of life, running the park, or managing the grounds at Cedar Point, and is surrounded by the wonderment of theme parks all the time. So welcome, y'all. Thank you for having us. Ah, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm just, we're going to go over like the how we met bit. I will say I knew about Alan before I met Alan. He was um, the kingpin, the ringleader of the, <laughs> the kingpin and ringleader of the chemical engineering graduate students. And I knew about him before I met him. And Josh, you and I met in the best possible place ever, which is the beach and hit it off, I think, right away. And I would love to hear a little bit more about how you all met. I think it was at FSU, right? It was. Yeah. Tell me uh, about that. The SO. <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about it. So um, actually, Alan, you do realize it's been almost 13 years this month. Actually, I saw that. I was um I was on Facebook this morning. Uh, deleting things that Alan of 10 years ago said because he was a little bit whiny. And I realized that, yeah, it's, it's been almost exactly 13 years. Yep. Um, oh, that's awesome. But Josh and I um, lived next door to each other in a, it was a dorm complex at Florida state, but it was not affiliated with the university. I, was out of state and they couldn't offer me housing. I, Josh, how did you end up there? Um, I was, I started off at the Tallahassee community college before I did dual enrollmentship with FSU their second semester. So I had to do private housing as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Was it like friends at first sight? Did you hit it off right away or were you like, eh? So uh, the, no, <laughs> uh, well, no, not really. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't like we met each other and I'm like, I despise you, but I actually, um, I, um, I met his roommate, Brandon, who actually ended up being my roommate the year after that, when we all moved out of there at, um, at a hookah bar of all places, because there's, I, unless you're eating or drinking way too much, there's only a fixed number of things you can do in Tallahassee that don't run the risk giving you a permanent disease. So, um, so there was a hookah bar down the street from it, it. It was called Seminole Oaks at the time. You will not find it on a map. I think it changed names and then was just demolished a num- like a couple years ago. But when he says the SO, that's what he's talking about. And so I met Brandon there and found out that he lived next door to me. And then Josh lived with him and we didn't really hang out much. The first time that we spent any extended time together for like more than five minutes. Um, Brandon and I both didn't have cars our freshman year. And 
she was a friend at the time, and then she turned into now she's an ex girlfriend. That's a story for a completely other set of podcasts. But um, her car got towed out of our parking lot, and Josh was the only person we knew with a car. So, we, so he drove us there to go get it out of the lot. Nice. That was the first time we actually like met, introduced, and everything, but it was very brief. It was the one time, and I believe it was a few months later before we actually even did anything again and the second part realistically the second part to how the friendship really started is i'm sitting in my dorm and i had no problem leaving the door open and it was march madness i'm sitting there drinking beer alan just walks in is like brandon here i said nope he's at work alan leans his head and says ah march madness and i said yep and I just basically pointed to the chair and Alan sat down and I extended my hand and gave him a beer as well. And yeah, it's been going pretty much ever since that. <laughs> it's actually been just like slight variations to that since then. <laughs> I love it. And that, but that's, I mean, I, one of the reasons I really, really wanted to talk to y'all is I think, I think guys are a little bit different in how, in how they establish their friendships do you feel like, and I know you both have girlfriends too. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but um, how do you feel as far as the, the differences go between maintaining those friendships, guy friends versus girlfriends? Cause that, what you just described is like the easiest evolution of a friendship possible. Really? Hmm. Uh, with, I mean, I assume when you say girlfriends, you're talking about a a female, friend. platonic yes. female friend. Okay. Yes. The so, platonic female friend. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily easier or harder. Um, if there was one other person you could put on this call, um, Josh and I have another friend named Andy who palled around. I almost did. You, Nancy, you've met her. Um, I almost and did. The three of us did everything together for years, even after I left Florida. I mean, I still talk to both of them at least three or four times a week. Scratch that. I talk to Josh three or four times a week. I call Andy three or four times a week. She doesn't pick up. But Andy um, never picks up the phone anymore. She's a New York girl now. She doesn't do. It, it's not from a a, play, a bad place. She's just busy. But um, uh, no, that's what I mean. She's a New York girl, basically always busy, running around, and I have no problem with that. I, res- yeah. I, I, she's in a better place realistically. She's doing great, and when she talks to us, she makes time for us. Yeah. But well, and that's that actually brings me to kind of the the first question, which is what what does friendship mean to you, and how how do you how do you know when somebody's going to be in it for the long haul? You guys have obviously thirteen years is a fine, fine run. So how do you, how do you keep it going and how do you know? And what does it, what does it mean to have somebody in that position in your life? I mean, for me, I say it's mutual respect and mutual communication. I, when I call Alan, he's willing to talk to me and vice versa. When he calls me, I'm willing to talk to him. And same thing with Andy, even though she's always busy, you know, we reach out and she reaches out when she can. It's, and that right there, I think is, two key things to a strong friendship. Yeah. I'd say something similar in the fact that, you know, I, I, um, you know, we, we can talk about damn near anything. We've been through some really good and some difficult times where the other one has had to pull the other out of the fire before in a number of different situations emotionally. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, my sense of humor doesn't need to alter. I don't need to, 
I don't need to act any differently than I normally would. I, I would say the important thing is to find some, you know, people that understand your sense of humor, your personality, and you don't have to edit yourself or censor yourself or any of those um any of those things that would make you a little bit different when you're trying to put on the right face for someone. Damn, Skippy. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> see, yeah, I cussed there. <laughs> oh my God, the danger. I know. So, and I will say, I have so many questions for y'all, but Alan, we've known each other since 2013. I know it's been, it's been a minute for us too. Halloween of 2013 to the date. That's right. So for both of you, because you've both moved to new places, I wanted to find out, um, a, have you made any good new friendships in your new places? And also when you do meet somebody new, because you have this, I know you both have a, a, a good friend group, a solid one already. How do you know when somebody's a good match to bring in? Like, how do you know when somebody's going to jive with you other than sense of humor? I got all that part, but have you made any new friends where you are? And if you did, how? Um, and then a follow-up is, has the internet played a part? Um, yeah, I, I definitely have up here. Now, most of them, for the first part, most of them are from work, but that's really more because I haven't even been up here a year and it's been combined with starting a new job, living in an area where they're, you know, going from a college town where people your age are a dime a dozen to a suburban area outside of the city where you've got a much different demographic, but plenty of them from work. I'd say the biggest either something that either raises or drops the red flag is for me, at least if someone responds to the first truly sarcastic thing I say with an equal or greater amount of sarcasm. Um, Because I'm not going to start the conversation that way, but eventually I'll feel comfortable enough with them to make a a piece of humor of that style. And if they make it through that without any awkward tics and even better can respond to it and modify, that's usually when I know that I've met someone that I'm probably going to get along with. Yeah, finding someone that can understand your type of humor is... It, realistically, it's 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 not an easy thing to do because Alan and I we share the same sense of humor. He's sarcastic, I'm sarcastic, and one of the things that I find people don't realistic have a hard time understanding with myself is I can be very truthful and blunt at times, and not everybody likes that. <laughs> so for me, it is definitely a little harder to find an, people who will accept that because when I realize that hey, I'm about to be very blunt. They, not everybody reacts the same, you know? Um, and for me, I left Florida to go to Cedar Point in Sandusky. Well, my life involves working pretty much all the time and working with the same people. Um, and when you're done at work, you just want to go home and not really do anything. Yeah, you get the occasional work friends, but outside of work from me in that small town, it's a little harder to establish friendship there. Um Especially when Cedar Point being a seasonal park, they rely on people coming in for the time that they're open and then leaving for the time that they're closed. Whereas my job allows me the benefit of staying there when the park is closed. So I don't have to go back to Florida or anything like that. I now 
stay and reside in Sandusky almost year round. So, you know, being in a small town is definitely a little harder to make friends there was, than it was in Florida. <laughs> I was going to ask, how big is Sandusky? Mm. It is a town. It is not a city. It's it's very small (laughs) town life. And as someone who grew up in Fort Lauderdale and Orlando and even Tallahassee, which was definitely a little bit bigger, it it has been a culture shock. And I mean, you're young and you're single. How Mm -hmm. have you found it other than, I mean, have you had any new contacts there? Uh, I can't, because my story in Sandusky is, very brief. It's only been about a year. Realistically, I came in March and March was preseason work where you're going straight in, getting ready for the park to open in two months. So you're constantly working. And then when the park opens, it's like, all right, we're open to guests and you're working. I'm working 90 to a hundred hours a week because get out. I, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a story for a whole nother day, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot Good happened. Job. A Good lot happened in, in May and one. June <laughs> to lead to those not long work weeks. But um, <laughs> can you sleep the rest of the the year? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But basically, wow. you know, um, I didn't re- I didn't realize like I had a good friend in Sandusky until probably November December. Um, you know, he's yay though. So that was that's when he came about. He was there all the time, but I mean, because of work you don't really see that person or anything like that. So, um, but you know, I thought I, I thought I met someone new in December and well, that didn't last very long. Now did it, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is not appropriate. conversation. At all. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's an event. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so follow up is, so you are both about a year into your new spaces. Alan's in Chicago-ish, if anybody is wondering. Has it helped for you to have your your base friend group, those perennials? Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, because when you move to a new area, if you didn't have that home base, I mean, I, I don't know who I would have talked to and – for me, one of the reasons all the shelter in place stuff and the restrictions that we're going through right now is driving me absolutely crazy is I never really had a big issue with having to work long hours and spend you know weeks at a time not really going anywhere um, as long as there was something on the horizon. Like when we used to go down to the beach or a trip back <clears> home <throat> for whatever reason, as long as I was doing something um, – then it would get me through it. And now we've canceled all of our travel plans. But the uh-huh. point I'm trying to make is, you know, making those plans long term way out with that base friend group who's always there for you is, I think, one of the best things you can have when you're going to a new area where you don't know anybody because it helps you make the transition. I remember when I went down to Auburn. The first couple of vacations I took when I was living in Auburn were from people with Louisville. And then after two years, uh, we were taking a vacation with all Auburn people. And that was, you know, it, it was, that was, I planned it. It awesome. was my decision. That's how long it took to make the changeover to where you've met enough new people that you've established a new solid friend group where you're willing to, where you want to spend that much time with them and try to now balance out 
multiple friend groups as opposed to leaning on one solely. Not to mention when you have those that base group, like Alan said, with a long term plans, if something happens or gets canceled, those friends are still going to be there. But when you're trying to establish a new friendship and you make short term plans, you kind of rely on those short term plans to go through because you want to spend a little bit more time to get to know a person and see if they're going to really play a part in your life in some fashion. So when those plans get canceled, it's like, well, it's a lot harder to reschedule. They're not always there to be back around. So I think your base group really is important. It's your balance. Mm -hmm. I love that. And Alan, you and I have talked about, and, and Josh, you can back me up if you, if you would, that you are kind of a hub. I think I, I know you're a hub for the, for the Auburn group. You are the person, if I want to know what's going on with somebody else, I'll call you. <laughs> If, if I, you know, to get the news. I, I and, I'm just nosier than my other friends. Yes. Truthful. <laughs> uh, Alan has a magnetic personality for sure, as cliche as that may sound, but people are drawn to him, you know, so it's, it's just a natural feeling that you get when you, I don't know, you introduce yourself to him and he's there and you're like, huh, there's something about him. And then you realize He's just a big old pain in the ass. <laughs> I think it's just because I talk louder than everybody else. That is also true. <laughs> Watching the little wave lines on the computer screen, and Alan's just taking up the whole screen. I might just have a better microphone than you. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so I, and, you know, about an hour and a half ago, I thought about Andy, and I was like, Damn it! I, I don't know if I can do three on a on a podcast, but she would not be terrible. It's I'm well. Shout out to her. Um, but but I met I've met some of your old friends, and um, I've been fortunate enough to be invited into the Hanley home, and we we're relatively new friends compared to some of your older friends. And what I want to ask both of you is what's it like to introduce one of your new friends into your OG or your OOG or your OOG? Stressful. That's a lot of those. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, it, I try to take a lot of time with that and make sure that they're going to get along. Um, that, Cause that can be, that there's such a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there's already a, a conversation that goes on with that friend group. There's a dynamic that already exists. There's inside jokes galore and you, just tiny little things that everybody gets that the new person's going to have to pick up on. And that's going to be enough work on its own. If they're also trying to do the work of trying of matching everybody's personality level and their energy level and understanding their humor and be able to respond to it, uh, there's going to be way too many tasks. So it's got to be somebody who would have fit in anyway. Like if you had just met them randomly in a, in a bar and invited them to come talk to your table, as opposed to somebody bringing them into the group, which essentially vouches for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and when I met Josh... It was it was an old friend being introduced into the new friends. How did that? I mean, how did you prep for that? 
How did you prep Josh for us? <laughs> wasn't really too chat. Now, let's see. Josh, was the first time you met any of the Auburn crew in St. George or in New Orleans? Oh. St. George. St. George was, was first. I think St. George was before the New Orleans trip. Okay. Yes, it so, was. Yes, yeah, so then it was St. George. Okay. Because um, you were quiet at first. I I know how to sit back, observe the situation, read people, and then go in for the kill. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> No, it does. It does take me a little bit to open up. Like, I mean, you, you go back to the story I said. I mean, our my first real interaction with Alan was both times was very silent, not much talking, but yet it started over a beer. Really, I mean, that's just I. I that's how I am. I I tend to be a little bit resolved, reserved, and I will definitely watch and observe people. And you know, it's like, okay, who are you? how am I going to interact with you? Do I need to adjust who I am? I never adjust who I am, but it's like, do I need to be cautious? And that's one of the things that I have to ask myself because there have been people where I try to hold back my bluntness, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, I can see that not working. So to both of you, and this is a great question because you both connect very, very well. Nature or nurture? Do you think you like arrived in the world like, hey, everybody, I'm a connector. Or does, is it something you've had to learn to do? Oh, God, the second one. By leaps Are you kidding? What? I could barely look a stranger in the eye when I was in high school. I was so shy. I did not start coming out of my shell, to use an overused term, until I was in college. And even then... I, yeah. um, I wish you could see my face right now. I'm sure... It, yeah, I know what it looks like. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I was I was painfully shy all through adolescence. I um, didn't really develop into the person that I I think I am now until I was it in at least nineteen, maybe twenty. I mean, even at the first year or two of college, I was still a little bit quiet. Yeah, it's definitely the second because. I mean, high school, middle school, I went I went to the same elementary, middle, and high school with a, the s- same group of kids, basically, and that in itself was hard because once you mess up with that, it sticks with you for a long period of time, and I'll admit it, I was bullied all through middle school and high school, and getting the heck out of there and going up to college, I didn't know what to do, but, you know, somehow I found these people, these friends in my life who accepted me for who I was and they didn't pick on me. But I also was at the point where I was starting to make jokes against myself. So I felt a little bit more comfortable. I wasn't letting people get to me as much anymore. Yeah. I still try to put on me plenty. I don't know why I'm not getting recognized right now. (laughs) You still what? Josh, I pick on you as much as I can from a distance. I do my best. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't succeed anymore. Well, speaking of which, I, I've i noticed that you guys do keep in touch really well. How do you keep in touch with your friends far away? Both of you independently, because Josh, you have friends that Alan doesn't have and vice versa, I'm sure. How do you keep in touch? What do you do? And when do you know it's time to reach out? Uh, I think it depends on 
like I, Josh and Andy, I call every week, and then there's other friends that I'll call uh, once every two, three weeks, or something like that, just to touch base. And then there's some that you just, you know, kind of uh, something as simple as like a group chat or something. Like we have the one with the Auburn kids. There's a mm-hmm. there's an Instagram one that a couple people down there made too. And I mean, it's a very weak connection, but it is one just, you know, sending of a stupid meme or something like that, that they found out to everybody, which, I mean, you're not really hearing about their day. You're not learning about their life, but you're pretty much getting a, a flag sent up that says, Hey, I'm still here. This is still something I think is funny and it's a small connection, but it is one. So I just, the whole spectrum from the occasional quick message of something that has no substance at all to a two hour long conversation um, while you're pacing around your house. Like I tend to do. I pace too. Mm-hmm. How about you, Josh? Uh, you have that, you, you just have those groups of friends that, you know, Hey, this is someone I want to talk to all the time because not only are they interesting, but you just, you feel comfortable and calm talking to that person. You can literally talk about nothing. And that's, so great i mean it's the same thing with alan alan and i speak every week and i like that because it keeps you know it keeps me sane in a town where i've got very few friends it lets me know that i still have people out there and then you've got those friends that you see and talk to or you don't see and talk to i should say for months at a time but as soon as you do you pick up the conversation that you were having last Mm -hmm. time like nothing has changed and you know that's Alan and I's buddy Brandon down in South Florida right now. We, we don't hear from him for months, but yet as soon as we talk to him, we know everything's right back to where it was. We try to catch up real quick and that's a good friendship there. But uh, there are others where you just have to send a text or call to and be like, Hey, how you doing? How's it going? I'm still here. Are you still there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's my buddy Troy down in Orlando. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, yes, there's Troy. I, I mean, Troy and I talk maybe once a month just to make sure we're each doing. But there was a period of time where we didn't talk for years. And when I was living in Orlando, I made sure this, you know, start hanging out with him a little bit more and catch up with him a little bit more. So because I knew my time was coming up, so I wanted to make sure that I got to see him before I left. But at the same time, you know, Troy's always been there. So you got it's just it's. I don't know how to explain it, but you just know when it's time to talk to somebody. Um, and it's all about how that conversation goes when you are talking to them that develop, that really tells you how the friendship is. Love it. Okay. So, so speaking of, of long distance friends and that kind of thing, what about friends with different beliefs, different, different friends, platonic girlfriends or someone with a, uh, different religious or political beliefs. How do you, how do you manage those relationships? Cause I know you have them. I have them. Um, what do you do to keep those on an even keel? Well, it, it makes it a lot easier if you're kind of moderate. I start with that. Cause if I had <clears throat> like more extreme views about certain things, I'm sure that would be more challenging. I might not be the best example of this being, of relatively open ideas on just about any religious possibility. 
and then combining that with any scientific possibility. The, the phrase I like to use is I don't think anybody's gathered enough data to disprove anything short of some things that are very, very outlandish. But um, And then politically, I am probably the grayest person alive. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I can say for sure about any political argument is the last thing I'll probably say in it is blame the entire issue on the fact that we have a two-party system. So, but mm-hmm. um, for example, I do have a friend in Auburn who we um, get along very, very well and have a ton of things in common, but he is decidedly more blue than I am. He's a, he's a big Bernie supporter. And most of the time we'll just avoid that or not avoid that conversation. We just won't have it. And it's not because we're not trying, we're trying to keep the other one from getting pissed off, but more just, we've got other things that we'd rather talk about something we have in common, like uh, enjoyment of college football or, you know, and I was Auburn the conversation was usually it's time to go get wings. But um, (laughs) when we have had that conversation before though, and it just, kind of naturally evolved to it because of the political climate of the country at the time. And we didn't agree. There were some points that we actively did not agree on, but I think the important part was both of us were at the very least curious to hear why the other one had developed that opinion. And mm. at the end of it, if you, if you can end the conversation with, uh, well, agree to disagree. I understand why you got there. We're in different places. We think different things. We've had different experiences. All of this is going to lead to a different viewpoint. And both people can walk away feeling like they weren't just called stupid or had their head up their ass or something like that. That it, It'd be better if most political conversations ended that way. But um, then again, I might be a bad example because he's I'm having a conversation with somebody who's very liberal and I am not a on fire Republican. So maybe if I was, it would have ended violently. <laughs> oh, Alan. <laughs> How about you, Josh? It's politics was always the tricky subject, you know, religion. Oh, I didn't even as well. talk about politics. Really. It, politics, religion, any anyone with different beliefs realistically, I mean it's always difficult to navigate around because especially when you're beginning a friendship, you don't know how that other person is going to react. But I always think that as long as someone is keeping an open mind and willing to maintain that open mind, then a friendship or whatever going forward should always be healthy. Hmm. Um, you, at some point you have to, that, that conversation is going to come up. Um, realistically it happens as much as you try to dance around the subjects um it's going to come up and you need to be prepared for it i am always of open mind i try to respect everyone else you know um no matter what they believe in and i've got a friend who is very very republican and it's difficult to talk politics with that person because he really wants to go gung-ho and I'm just like, we're not going to talk about this because you're not respecting myself. So, but there are other things, like Alan said, you have other things that you should be having that conversation with that person. You know, sports is one of the things that the reason I, I get along with this person is because we actually do agree on our sports. You know, we both like the same uh, teams down in Florida. So 
it's nice. I need, and that's what maintains that friendship. So, I mean, I always, yeah. like I, I, like I said, I just always try to maintain an open mind with it all. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but at the end of the, con- when it does come time for that conversation at the end of it, it's how you respond to it afterwards. If it really does get heated because there have been times where Alan, myself and Andy have had these very heated discussions <laughs> and, Oh, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> but at, at the end of it, we all just look at each other. We shake our damn heads and we go back to drinking and back to our normal conversation. <laughs> like that's, that's the type of friendship we have yet every now and then the conversation comes up. We all don't agree on it. And because there's three of us, it's like, well, we can't really take someone's side because then it's showing favoritism. <laughs> right. But I mean, I think though, I think I, a- <laughs> I like, I don't know. I think it's okay to have those conversations, but it's important to remember that what you do afterwards, that's going to determine everything. I, I can yeah. figuratively hear Andy screaming right now at you. God, I know. Saying yeah. that no one ever joins up on anybody. I can hear her <laughs> screaming horrible obscenities at both of us, even though you said it. She, somewhere out there, she's angry right now. She knows something has happened. You know, I almost gave her a heads up that this was happening. And, and you know what? We'll see if she feels a ripple in the universe. Oh, she so, definitely feels it. <laughs> so let's shift gears a little bit. Um, what's the coolest thing a friend has ever done for you? Hmm. Mm. Alan, I'm not going to lie. That 21st birthday cup is still one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. <laughs> nice. I like that damn cup. It is sitting safely with my parents at their house because I have no place to store it. And I drink from that thing almost. It is is a glass. It's a no, it's a glass mug made for drinking beer and other liquor, uh, other liquor beverages, you know. And it just says Josh Siegel with my birthday on it. And it was the day I turned 21. And this was after Alan had left up to go to Louisville. So we weren't together. And our birthday is what a week apart. Not uh, just eight days. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sucked that we couldn't be bringing in our 21st together, but you know, that is that right there is still one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. I, and I hold it dear to my heart. Um, Alan, that's big shoes to fill, honey. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was trying to think of one because I think the one that I would say, if I only got one, is is related to Josh. I was trying to think of one from a different friend group, and there's been like a lot of really cool experiences. Um, I, I can't, I can't pinpoint one. It's probably just because the one I want to talk about is stuck in my head. But um, so talk about it. Uh, since we were down in Florida. Josh has always been involved with one, if not a couple of the theme parks down there. And the one claim to fame that I like to make on it is I am 31, about to be 32. And as an adult, not even including the times I went as a child, I have probably been to all of the Disney parks at least 15 times. And I have never paid for it. (laughs) Not once. 
Not one time have I ever paid to get into Disney because every time we would go, even after I left Florida, I'd call, say, Josh, I and these people are thinking about going to the park. Um, do you want to come and can you get us into it? And every time without fail, we would go to Disney. We would go to every, we'd be full park hopper the whole nine yards and he would come and um, enjoy everything with us. And that's how he was introduced to a lot of my other friends. But um since he knew them like the back of his hand, it was basically like walking around with a guide. So not only have I never paid to go there, I know where all the good restaurants are. I very rarely waited in lines. I've been spoiled absolutely rotten. And when the day comes that I have to take my future children there, I am going to be absolutely miserable because I'm going to have no idea where things are. I'm going to have to wait in the back of all the lines. I'm going to have to pay for all of those tickets myself. It is going to be a real shock. <laughs> Let's be real. Uncle Josh is going to go with the kids while Alan I know. goes golfing. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. I felt it. with <laughs> Uncle Josh anyway. Alan's just going to bitch about how much the food costs. <laughs> That's yes, how I like yes. my payment. <laughs> okay flip side what's the biggest sacrifice you've made for a friend or the biggest not maybe not sacrifice but what's the biggest overture you've ever you've ever given a friend Ooh. Mm. i do not know um This one is uh, really comes to mind. I'm sure I've had a couple of conversations with um, a few of my friends where you got to put a little tough love on them if they're in a spot that they need to. Like, no, you hmm. shouldn't be doing this. This is not a good idea. I see why you want to, but no. But I can't think of any one that really jumps out as a time where I really had to come down on someone or. I also can't really think of a time that any of the people that I really keep close to me has ever truly let me down. Maybe that's because that type of experience might have sullied the friendship beyond the point of repair, or at least to the point where they're more of a tertiary friend. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I mean, nothing really does come to mind. It's yeah. No, no, no big gifts or anything. <laughs> So, well, I mean, then we'll flip on to the next question, uh, I mean, which is a few stupid things for ex-girlfriends, but you know, yeah. who has? See, you keep you keep edging, you keep edging closer. Fine, all right, guys, you, you, you've <laughs> just you've nudged on the edge of the question I just about shelved, which is, what happens when your friends don't like your girlfriend, or your girlfriend doesn't like your friends? Oh God, I've got a lot of dates. There you go, Ellen. Do I really have to say her name? <laughs> No, 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 no. no. Are bad. Um, <laughs> the sad thing is, is that could have been like four or five different names. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> it's it's stressful, <laughs> and let me. Um, I, I would. Who takes the back seat? I'm sorry. Who takes the back seat? Well, your friends don't like the girlfriend, and this is for both of you. And, and or the girlfriend doesn't I, like the friends who who gets shelved uh, before you realize that that should be a major red flag that I'm not saying mm -hmm. you turn into best buddies, but your significant other and your close friends need to get along. If not, then 
you're in that relationship for the wrong reasons because you are definitely yourself around your friends. If you're not, then they wouldn't be your friends. That's just, mm-hmm. not, you wouldn't have stayed there. You, you wouldn't have stayed around them. And if you have to behave that differently and shield your significant other from them, there's something inherently wrong there. I mean, it's one thing to want to make a good first impression and it's one thing for you don't want your girlfriend to hear all the salty talk that you have with your guy friends. But when there's something cataclysmically wrong to the point that they truly don't like each other, it's probably a sign that your relationship isn't going to work out. And God, I have piles of data to prove that. Um, but you usually, when you're before you come to that realization and you're trying to make it work like an idiot, you usually just try to keep them separated or you, you plan events with both of them at different times, or you do it where there's going to be other people around who you can kind of dilute the problem away, or you make sure that there's just a whole lot of booze. Just that sounds like a lot of work. It, it is. Josh, you have, <laughs> you have to put that much work into it. Forget about it. Like, <laughs> It also, yeah, but realistically, if you have an, a significant other that is basically telling you or asking you to not hang out with someone that you have now been around for 13 years, there, there, there's a problem there. You shouldn't have that in your life. And we have, we, luckily, I don't think we've experienced it, but at the same time, I've gone to Alan and after meeting certain ex-girlfriends, I've expressed my thoughts. I left them at that. (laughs) And when it was important to remind him of things, I reminded him very bluntly. And, you know, sometimes we don't think with the brain that is upstairs. We think with the one that is downstairs. I'm going to let this part of the conversation in there and ask you this. <laughs> yeah, feel, feel free to take that one out. I apologize. So, it always no, ends the same. It's all standing. It, it ends with so, you having a conversation with one of your friends while you toxify your body in one way or another saying, oh my God, <laughs> he or she was really a chore. Depending on. So I have three more questions for y'all before we go. One is the, the Rona, the Corona. What has it done to your friendships? How have you been adapting to it? And um, I'll tack on the second question. How do you think it's going to change your approach to to friends and friendship going forward? Alan, stay six feet away. I need the hand sanitizer. You're too close. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are living together, and I think that's awesome. We need to talk about that, too. <laughs> um, I, I would, Well, for your first one, I wouldn't say it changed very much for me, but that's because I'm not surrounded by a huge friend group right now. I have a small Mm -hmm. one who's still being developed up here. And it is a little unfortunate that we can't hang out. But at the same time, I had not developed like a regular schedule. Like with my friends down in Auburn, which is the last place I was before I was here, if I had immediately to go from um, having wings with everybody on Monday, which we used to do every week, to not doing it at all, I'm sure it'd be very challenging and a lot more depressing. Um, so that, that would have been just picturing that already feels tough, even though I'm not actually experiencing it right now. As far as changing anything else though, 
going forward, once the problem, we finally find a solution, whichever way this goes or however long it takes, when we do get back to a normal or the new normal or whatever it is, I, I don't think the human race is going to stay six feet away from each other forever. Um, yeah. You know, it might just be a lot more hand washing. And if someone's sick, then then their friends are going to give them the tough love and say, no, you don't get to come out with us. You coughed three times. You stay in that house. But, um, uh-huh. uh, besides I that, I don't really see long-term changes because of the, the social distancing. It's You can still call them. You can still talk to them. In fact, I think it's improving a lot of people's friendships in certain areas for the ones who are distancing away. Look at the um, look at the conversations that Nancy, you and I, and Josh, you've been sitting in on them too, with everybody from Auburn, mm-hmm. which was a group of people, a lot of them we haven't talked to and who haven't talked to everybody else in quite some time. And this this impetus for all of us to stay at home and communicate through these messaging systems has kind of brought a few people back into the conversation. So. I will agree with that. And I think that I think that people who were hesitant to do stuff online before are now jumping at it. And and with people you are you live far away from, that's awesome. You don't always get down to go go down for a football game or whatever. Right. And to have a regular connection. When you think about it. Like Alan said, he had a normal routine back in Auburn. He doesn't have that here in Chicago because he's been here for such a short time. A lot of folks have that normal routine, and they don't think about communicating with people that are far away. And, you know, the old term does ring true, out of sight, out of mind, you know. And Mm -hmm. I truly believe that this is a good point for a lot of people to realize, hey, I've got a lot more people in my life than I originally thought. And as long as they're communicating, everyone will be fine. You know, the only thing that I see maybe changing slightly outside of all this is, uh, is the dating life aspect. You know, it's will be a little bit harder for people to trust right away to become close right away. So it may take more time to get to truly know somebody and be with someone on the outside of all this. I think that's a really good point. So any advice for people? And and I love that you, for our listeners, these guys are obviously in the same um, dwelling right now, hanging out together, which I think is fantastic. Do you have any advice for people who are feeling isolated right now? There are people out there who want to talk to you. And, and it's not because they are trapped in the house and it's not because they're bored and it's not because you are the, the last resort because they've talked to everybody else already. There's, there's someone out. If you, there's someone out there who wants to communicate with you right now. And all you have to do is pick up the phone and call them or get on Skype or do one of those things. But there are billions of people in the world and millions of them in this country. And you can talk to any of them for free that used to be like quite possibly the greatest business in the world was long distance calling. And now it's free internationally and you can use video and you can put fun backgrounds up for that video. Um, that like it's, it's ridiculous how easy it is to communicate with everybody out there. And all you have to do is just be the one to reach out to them, be a little bit bold, be, you know, be the instigator. It, 
it feels terrifying at first and take it from someone who's a recovering shy person. It is scary as hell. Um, and just as something as simple as putting yourself out there to talk to another human being that you don't know, or someone you haven't talked to in a while, or you don't know you're going to have what, what you're going to say, but just, it's one of those moments where are you going to dip your toe in or are you going to jump in and see what the temperature is? And you will feel better if you do it the blunt way. You'll hit a snag here and there, but at the end of it all, your confidence level will increase so much that you won't even remember all of the bumps in the road. Nice. Yeah, reach out to people you thought you could never talk to for any reason because you faded away or because you had a falling out. Don't be afraid. Um, you don't know what they're going through. They may be going through something a little bit different than you are, but just a simple hi or I hope you are doing okay through all this can go a very long way. You know, it's the simple little things sometimes that truly do make a big difference. I love that. <clears throat> Josh Siegel, Alan Hanley, it has been a complete pleasure to have you all here. Really, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And for us. our listeners, you. if you want to know more about Josh and Alan, I will post a link to their social media so that you can get in touch with them. If our topic resonated That's with you. <laughs> no record. Oh, it's, it's all about. Clicked on thing. <laughs> oh, you're have you can have so many new friends. It's all about connection. If our topic resonated with you and you want to know more about how to develop stronger and more supportive friendships and professional networks, let's connect. Reach out to me at nancytiltonhand.com. And remember, friendships help you stay happy, healthy, wealthy, and smart, not to mention being fun and just awesome and joyful. So get out there and make a new friend, and I'll see you next time.